0: Well, if you want to open your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to start where we left off last week. Who was here last week? Who was here last week? We had a pretty good word by uh, my lovely wife who brought the word of the Lord about spiritual blindness and the facade. Uh, I wrote down so many one-liners in that message. Uh, I don't know if you did too. Uh, if you didn't get to hear it, you got to get online and get that. You can go to our website, uh, lwfcmidland.org, and find the link for our media and the past sermons and catch it on there. Um, but we're going to pick up where we left off. Last week we left off in talking about here is what here's how you get to be a Pharisee. Here's how you get to be just a person who's just has a facade who just has the front but nothing inside, uh, where there's just emptiness there, is you don't grow. You don't change. You're not transformed. And so Second Peter talked about that. And we're going to focus in on a little bit different part of that, that first section there in 2 Peter, if I can get there in my Bible. <clears throat> there it is. It's on the marker. Try the marker. Sometimes that helps. Verse 3 says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual or brotherly affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities, get this, in increasing measure... There's that growth thing. We're supposed to be growing in self-control. I just picked that one just randomly, so. Growing in perseverance. Growing in affection. Brotherly love, basically. That's what that is. Like love for one another. Uh, growing in agape love. God's love. Unconditional love. All those things. If if you are increasing, if you possess these in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this kind of hits on, we're just kind of reviewing where we were last week. But it's possible to know Jesus and have it be ineffective and unproductive. Did you know that? It said that in the verse. It said you can, basically, you know about him... But you don't know Him. I mean, you can, you can recite all the Bible verses. If you can recite all the Bible verses, that's, you know, that's not the, that's not the test of it if you're a follower of Jesus. It's, is, is, is Jesus dwelling in your heart, and is He changing you into the image of His Son? The Father is making us more like Jesus. So if you look more like Jesus than you did two weeks ago, then yeah, that's exactly what, that's what's supposed to happen. Are we ever gonna arrive when we're on this earth? No, probably not. But we should be a whole lot closer. We get to be a whole lot closer. But we can be ineffective. We can know all this stuff. That's what the facade is. That's what it, the religious spirit is. That's what it means to uh, be a Pharisee. I, one of the quotes that I can't, that I, that I love last week is, if you're living a life that you can manage on your own, you're a Pharisee. You might be a Pharisee. Oh, I'm just going to say you are. <laughs> Ashley's nicer. You might be a Pharisee if, okay, maybe that's the message title. You might be a Pharisee if you're living a life that you can manage on your own. In other words, if there's nothing that requires God, then uh, that nothing that requires something divine or supernatural, then you're, you're just going through religious motions. And see, religious motions are ineffective. They are unproductive. They don't change you. They don't bring bring transformation because that's what we need is transformation. Maybe we'll get to the real message here, but maybe not. We need transformation. I need to be transformed where people can look at me and say, you know what? I don't know if there's hope for my life, but I look at you and go, yes, there is hope. Look, there's a godly husband. There's a man of God. There's a man who will lay down his life for his wife. There's a man who, who loves his kids above all else, that, that sacrifices for them, that puts aside his own, his own wants and dreams and needs and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give and pour into their lives and see them come be who they're meant to be. But we're not going to get there without knowing him. Increasing in the knowledge of God, getting closer to him. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. I've got that scripture there, Trey. It's at the bottom. We're going to start at the bottom first. If you want to scroll to the last scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.18. I've got it on the screen here so we save time. Uh, it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. I think it keeps going there. Does it keep going? which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Now, second Corinthians three is referencing, uh, it talks about Moses going on the mountain when Moses in the old Testament, it says he went up on the mountain to get the 10 commandments. And when he came down his face, he got a, he got a makeover. He got like the, the glory of God makeover, uh, you know, I don't know, ladies, if you have those things you put on your faces. There's all kinds of different things. That, I know this now because I'm married. Okay, uh, have been for 15 years, even. Um, you know, we put all guys. Some of you guys probably do this too, but you don't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> some of the younger guys probably do this. Just, just, just play along. Okay. Don't raise. I said, don't raise your hand. <laughs> You know, you can put this this thing on your face, and you, you maybe peel it off, or you rub it in. You do get all this face stuff. I mean, I got in trouble because I was washing somebody else's face with just soap. I'm like, that's all I use on my face is just you know, same soap that goes everywhere. It goes <laughs> right here, right? So anyway, I'll, I'll move on from that now. So Moses had a had a kind of a makeover. He went up top, and he had a, he had a spiritual makeover. When he came down off the mountain, it says that his face was shining. I mean, literally, like it was bright. You can you think of a can you think of an account on a mountain where somebody's lit was lit up too in the time of Jesus? You remember that story where it says that Jesus took his three friends up on the mountain, and it says. Suddenly, his clothes became white as light, that it was like this super brightness that came. And they were, basically, what were they seeing? They were seeing the glory of God shining through Jesus. It was a revelation of who Jesus really is in that moment, on that mountain. He was like that all the time. It's just they got a glimpse into seeing the glory of God. And so the same thing happened with Moses. When he went up on the mountain, he was interacting with God. Uh, what did Moses say when he was on that mountain? Show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. And God says, "I can't give you the full package yet, man. Just hold on. But I'll let you see my back. Basically, I'll let you see the my goodness, the the trail of my goodness as I pass by. Because wh- wherever God goes, there's goodness. You notice in this scripture in Second Peter, what we started with. What did it say? He's given us the promises, what? From His glory and goodness. Okay, so back to Moses. Just letting you know this all connects somehow. Back to Moses. So Moses goes up on the mountain, he receives the Ten Commandments, he has these interactions with God, he comes down, and everybody's like, oh Moses! You're really, you're really shiny today. I mean, you know, in the book of Revelation, I was reading Revelation last night, <clears throat> trying to read the Bible and get this junk out of my head last night and all this stuff. <clears throat> and so, you know, in the book of Revelation, it says John the Apostle goes, he's on the island, and he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus shows up, and then it says he sees like uh, he is, like him in his glory, and it and it says like his his face was shining like the midday sun. Okay, this is good. This is a good illustration for us, right? We know what the midday sun is here in Midland. The midday sun starts at 8 a.m. and it goes to about 7 p.m. Right? <laughs> right now, I feel like the midday sun. You wake up. Doesn't matter how early you wake up. If it's light out. It feels like the midday sun. So that's how bright Jesus is. God is. The glory of God is. There's just a, you know, you can't look at it. I mean, please do not go look at the midday sun. Okay? Do not stare at that. Please, like anybody, that's, it's not, you may never see again. Like you cannot, you cannot gaze at the midday sun. And so, Moses is interacting with someone who not only is as bright as the midday sun, but he made the midday sun. The midday sun came from him. He thought it up, he spoke it into existence, said, hey, that comes from me, I'm gonna shine this light. Let there be light. So when Moses comes down, it's like he's got, he's got the, the, the God all over him. I mean, it's a picture of the glory of God resting upon His people. He comes home, and all the people are like, "Man, your face is too bright, Moses. We can't look at you." So it says he he would cover his face. I mean, he put a veil over his face, and he would he would to to kind of protect them and also hide it. And in, also, it says Moses at some point it would fade away. So he wanted to leave the veil there so they couldn't see it fading away too. There's a little bit of that human thing going on with Moses too. So. So he comes, you know, he comes off the mountain and he he has all kinds of interactions with the people. But in 2 Corinthians 3, it references that and says, here's the deal. Moses went up on the mountain when he came down, the glory went away. But here's what you get. And he had a veil on. But here's what you get. We all with unveiled faces. In other words, there's now no barrier Between me and the glory of God. That's pretty amazing because he says out of his glory and goodness, he gives us his promises so that we can escape the corruption of evil desires. Because really the battle happens in our personal life with our desires, in, Ch- in James chapter one, can we shoot that one up there, Trey? I know I'm going out of order, but we're gonna we're gonna get through this really quickly. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. Keep going, verse fourteen. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. In verse fifteen. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And so here's the deal. You can never be tempted with anything that you don't desire. I mean, you know that? I mean, I have no I have zero desire uh, for drugs. I mean, just I just never been an issue for me. If I know for some of you it's been an issue. Here's the deal. It's, I have different issues I've had to face, but if someone just walked up to me and says, hey man, here's some, here's some whatever. First of all, I go, what's that? <laughs> but here, here's this. There, there would be no temptation to take that. I mean, there'd be, there's just zero. Because I have no desire. You cannot be tempted or sucked into anything that you don't have a desire for. So when you're looking to get free in your life from anything, if you're like, hey, I need to get free from, you know, this issue of anger in my life. I need to get it free from this issue of, of, you know, addiction to whatever, uh, addiction to alcohol or addiction to drugs or addiction to, to anger or performance or sex or whatever it might be, any kind of addiction, your desire has to be changed first. And your desire is only changed by being in the glory of God. You can only be changed as you gaze upon Jesus, as you get close to Jesus. It's not going to happen any other way. Everything else is just a religious facade. It's just you performing, you doing what you can do to get free. And God's not trying to say, hey, get yourself free. He said, I set you free. I died so you can be free. So the issue, the battle is for desire because once the desire's gone, then you can't be tempted anymore. You can't be drawn to that thing anymore. Uh some of you, I know that many of you have shared testimonies. I know uh, you know when you've been delivered from from alcohol addiction, when you first get delivered, what? You you don't you don't go by the bar, right? You don't say, I'm just going to go hang out there and tell people about Jesus, right? It doesn't work that way, does it? No, because there's still, there's 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 two things at work. There's desire and there's habit. They're two different things. Habit is just what your body's used to, what your mind's used to. And so you have to realize that habit will be, over time, will be changed. They say you can form a new habit in only 21 days. Isn't that true, something like that? It only takes only takes three weeks to form a new habit. So here's the good news. You can form good habits. When you form good habits and are intentional with them, then if one of them is gazing upon Jesus or spending time with Jesus, getting in the Word of God, praying in, in the Spirit, praying in, uh, in English, praying in whatever language you can pray in, When you do that, for 21 days, you're going to establish a habit where you where you do that. And then in that time, what happens when you're gazing upon Jesus, the glory and goodness of God are being released in your life, and you take hold of the promises of God, it says. It says that he gives us his precious promises so you can share in the divine nature. In other words, the nature of God is being released in your life, so you're changed because you're looking like Jesus. Then you begin to want things like Jesus. You begin to desire the things of Jesus. What does it say in Psalm 37 verse 4? This is a really famous verse. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Here's the deal. If you're delighting yourself in God, then your desires will change. You know, people can read that scripture, and they're trying to get all kinds of stuff. on I'm like, look, when you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires are going to start looking like His desires. You're not just going to have whatever come out. Oh, I delight myself in God, and I get whatever I want. Well, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> because if you delight yourself in God, if you're truly just satisfied in Him, you know what? Your desires change. What you want changes. And when your desires change, you can't be pulled into things anymore, and then now you're free. But he's given us the promises so we could share in the nature of God, so we could share in his heart, his desires. What does it say in Matthew 5 and verse 6 when Jesus was on the mountain and he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount? He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In other words, there's a desire in you that changes, and you begin to hunger for the things of God. And guess what? You're going to get filled. If you hunger for the things of God, God's not going to say, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but you start opening yourself up to the things of God, and then here's the deal. When you hunger and thirst for God, the more you, you eat of God, the more you drink in of who He is, you get more hungry. It's like, it's like reversed. You know, everything's reversed in the kingdom, just about, in the kingdom of God, everything's upside down. You want to be first, you got to be last, you want to be the greatest, you got to be the servant, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, uh, where was I going with this? <laughs> the more you eat, the more hungry you are. Thank you. There's still stuff in this head that doesn't belong there. Um, it's not my brain. <laughs> so, It it does belong there. Okay. um, (laughs) When you eat of God, you become more hungry. But here's the challenge. The challenge is to take the first bite. It's always to take the first bite. Because your flesh, your just this natural flesh, doesn't naturally want to jump in and grab hold of the things of God. That's why, here's the deal. That's I love this phrase that Bill Johnson says, um, that all worship starts in the flesh. In other words, you don't ever show up to wherever, whether it's your personal worship time or whether it's a corporate worship time, and like, I'm just, my body's just telling me, yeah, I do this. Man, my body this morning was telling me, my body this morning was telling me, Hey, Pastor Don comes now. You could just call him. <laughs> I'm dead serious, brother. I was like, you know, that's that's an option. <laughs> I was feeling horrible, taking a, getting ready, taking showers, and I was like, I feel awful. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can make it. And I was like, you know what? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not giving in to the flesh here. I don't have a fever. I wasn't feeling hot, so I said, no, I'm not giving in. I'm not calling Don. <sighs> He was ready anyway, so he's he's ready in season and out of season, and so, so everything starts in the flesh. When you make that decision and say, "I'm going to kill my flesh," by doing something that doesn't satisfy my flesh, but it feeds my spirit. Where is that scripture? Galatians five and verse twenty four. One more, Trey. Can we put that one up there? Five, Galatians five twenty four. Apologize for doing that out of order. Thanks for. Being flexible. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And it says earlier in Galatians 5.16, it says, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, the point is this. When you're walking in the spirit, it's impossible to gratify the desires of the flesh. If you're gratifying the desires of the flesh, you can, by reverse equation, know I'm not walking in the Spirit right now. I've now stepped out. I can choose to walk in the Spirit, but the choice starts in the flesh. The Holy Spirit's in me. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And he is always urging you. He's always going, follow Jesus. Get close to your father today. Take a minute and just listen for his voice. It's always going, he's always speaking the truth. The Holy Spirit's always leading us into truth. You know, sometimes we just need to hear, you know, I love that song that says, you know, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. We, uh, Several of us on the worship team have little kids, and they love that part. They love to sing, yes, I am. (laughs) Because he doesn't want to say, say that, right? Sometimes, hey, if if you're having trouble with your flesh and you're like, man, I'm just, I'm just giving in all the time. Just start saying some truth. Just start declaring some things. Go, yes, I am. Your body's like, no, you don't. You don't want to do that. Yes, I am. Because the desire to will and to do comes from the spirit within us. I lied. I'm going to read one more scripture. Philippians 2 and verse 12 and 13. We're going to get to all these scriptures. That was pretty impressive. Uh, Philippians 2 and 12 and 13 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Keep going. I, I didn't quite memorize it all. For it is God... Who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Leave that up there for a second. See that word up there? W-I-L-L. That's desire. Your will and your desire goes together. Because you will almost always choose your will. Make the choice. Will go towards what you Desire. And so, in order to have your desires change, it says He's working in us. For it's God who works in you to desire the right things, and then to act according to His good purpose. So take off the veil. Let's stand up. Some of us have some veils. And what is a veil? Look, you're like going, man. We've used all kinds of churchy lingo today, so so here's the deal. What what is that? All that is is anything that that is between you and God. It may be a way of thinking. It may be there may be thoughts that come in your head all the time. Whenever you try to get in the Word of God, or whenever you try to do something for Jesus, you try to follow Him, you get all these thoughts going on. That's, that's a veil that needs to be removed. It may be a veil of your past. It may be the veil of the enemy in your life. It may be the veil of just, uh, just your flesh. But whatever it is, it's something that's standing between you and God so that you can't interact with Him fully and have the relationship He wants for you. Sometimes the veil is our past it's a, it's 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 barking out to us all the time don't you remember when don't you remember when you did this and here's the deal you got jesus right on your side saying i don't remember that brother i died for you and i paid the price and so we don't remember that anymore me and the father and the holy spirit is trying to let you know that that's gone now and so it's it's a pretend veil It doesn't really exist, but it's there in our minds. If we can believe it's there, then it's hindering us from interacting with God. For some of us, it might be our family heritage. It might be just a way of thinking. It might be a pattern of addiction in our life. Whatever it is, God's saying, hey, remove the veil and let yourself be totally open to Jesus. And let his glory and goodness come into your life to where you're changed and you're never the same. And it doesn't just happen on a Sunday morning one time like that. It happens, it says, we go from glory to glory. We with unveiled faces, it says, we are transformed. And that is what we need to be as the people of God, is transformed people. Because transformed people transform other people. They change the world. They change their world. They change their neighborhood. They change their work group. They change uh, their families. There's transformation that happens. When Jesus comes in and transforms you, it's meant to be a transformation for those around you. So whatever that, you know... I threw out a few ideas. Maybe the Holy Spirit will speak something different to you. Just whatever that veil is, just kind of offer that up to God. Just kind of just, just say, God, I'm going to give you this thing that's hindering, that's hindering my relationship with you, God. Would you please take it away? And so right now as we just, we just, Lord, we know that we have the right to be to be totally free with you, to be totally open with you, to be totally honest with you, to be, to not hide anything from you, God. We don't have to go into hiding. We don't have to, uh, run from you, God. We can run to you. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for any veil that would hinder anybody from their relationship with you to be broken in the name of Jesus right now. And I thank you, Lord, for releasing, releasing new desires into people. Holy Spirit, thank you for Holy Spirit desires being released, for breaking the power of addiction, Lord, breaking the power of habit, breaking the power of wrong thinking, breaking the power of discouragement, breaking depression, whatever it might be, anxiety, fear, Lord, a pattern of fearful thinking in the name of Jesus, let those things be broken in your presence. Let every single person in here, I declare transformation over them. I declare that they will be transformed by the renewing of their mind, by knowing you and thinking about you and reading the word and listening to you and having your word spoken over them. Thank you, God, that we have a promise. We have the promises of God that sets us free to walk in freedom and transformation so that we don't just have something on the front. We've got something on the inside. We've got something to give. When someone comes to us, that we have something to give. That there's just not an open door and nothing behind it. Lord, there's an open door and there's the presence and the power of God. And I declare that into every life here. In the name of Jesus, that's your destiny. That is the calling of God for your life. That you would be successful. That you would have favor in your life. That you would be an overcomer. That you'd be full of love. That you'd be able to forgive. That you would be free from your past. In Jesus' name, set people free. I can't do it, God. I can't do it, but you can. Thank you, Lord. As we get close to you, you're going to change desires in our hearts to where we want what you want, and we don't want what our flesh wants anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here.